Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspect of running, and this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you enjoy. This episode is sponsored by Johnji. Johnji is a local to Boston running apparel company dedicated to exploring, connecting, and giving back through running. Inspired by travel, informed by function, and built for adventure, Johnji makes running essentials to equip you wherever you run or roam. The company was founded on the core belief that water is a human right and donates 2% of their sales to supporting clean water organizations around the world. I've known the two co-founders of Johnji for over five years, and it's been a privilege to see them grow and increase the level at which they've been able to give back to the running community and to the world in general. Welcome back. I have... Julia Conan joining me today on the podcast. Julia, thanks so much for taking some time to chat. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. For sure. So you are the newest, one of the two newest team members of uh, Northern Arizona Elite. Um, so first, uh, welcome, welcome to that team. It's exciting to see it growing. Um, and before we before we get too far, uh, who is Julia? Well. I am, I guess, the newest member of the Nazali team, as you just said. I came from St. Louis, Missouri. I've been um, training, running, I guess, with a team in St. Louis for the last four years. Um, I trained with a lot of guys there. and But I have a kind of a different background of running. I actually played soccer my whole life, uh, high school, and played soccer through college. So I didn't really get into running until my fifth year at the University of Southern Indiana, where I had one year of cross country and track. And then moved home after that and kind of slowly started getting into distance running. And at what point did the, did the idea of becoming a professional runner um, come up for you? Um, well, my first, my one and only collegiate year of running, um, I had pretty good success for it being the first time I ever had stepped on a track or did cross country. And there were talks of, Hey, would you ever consider going professional? But it was still so new to me and I didn't really understand the running world, um, very much. So I kind of just blew it off and didn't think it was even an option for me. And then when I got finally did like my first marathon in 2017. I qualified for the trials. And then when I had a pretty good experience at the trials, I was like, okay, maybe if I, if I really focus and let's, I can see how far I can take this and professional running could be an option for me. What was it like, um, qualifying for the trials in your first marathon? So yeah, I qualified in Chicago. It was actually my second marathon ever. The first marathon I did, um, my coach Jason back in St. Louis kind of was like, you should, you should really do a full marathon. And we had, there was a local one in St. Louis and I signed up for it and we had about two months of training. Um, so yeah, it was very new to me and I ended up running, I think 247 there, um, 248 my coach after that was like, all right, we're training for the marathon and you're going to qualify for the trials. And I kind of thought he was crazy, but one year later, I signed up for Chicago and hit the qualifying standard, um, ran 238 there or 239. And, um, that's when my interest in marathoning and, um, half marathons and 
just taking running to the next level really um, interests me because I was like, I did, I never expected that I was going to even qualify for the trial. So when I did that on my second marathon, I was pretty excited. What did, what did that mean to you? Um, it meant a lot. I mean, it just got me involved in more involved in running, which was something more in the running community, something I had never been in the past. And then it realized that there was, I was like, there's a lot of potential out there. I didn't give myself enough credit. I, uh, my first marathon ever, I was kind of just doing for fun. And when I was pretty close to the qualifying standard, um, I went out that next year and was like, all right, my coach thinks I can hit this and I'm going to follow the training. I'm going to do everything I can to hit it. And then, um, after that, it was just kind of fuel to the fire to see what you can do next. That's awesome. One of the things I like most about running is, um, sort of that like leveling up that you do one thing and then you're like, okay, cool. That's possible. Now what else is possible? Um, and, and I feel like the longer you run, the more you can level up and the more you can sort of reestablish what normal looks like. So I imagine that if you had, you know, gone back a few years, the, the level that you're training, that you're training at now might've seemed incomprehensible, particularly, you know, with, with only running um, one year collegiately. So for you, what is it, what is it like to be doing these things alongside people who, um, you know, maybe they've been doing it for half of their life or 10 to 15 years, whereas um, you've been running at a competitive level for a couple of years now and and sort of the sky's the limit in terms of like having fresh legs and a fresh perspective on it. Yeah, I think um, one thing I really like your point of leveling up because I feel like that's how my career has just grown. I started with, oh, I'll never run a marathon. Oh, I'll never qualify. And then every time I did something, I wanted to do it better and better. And that's, I, I think this sport is awesome. It just keeps you motivated. Once you hit one standard that two years ago, I never thought I'd hit, then it's like, what's next? Um, and then to be here, yes, and training with or running against, competing against um, some of the top girls in the country, girls that have done this and have tremendous times from college and a history of this, I think for me, it's just such an amazing opportunity to learn from them. I mean, I know it's going to kick my butt and it's going to push me, and it's going to challenge me, but I'm excited about that. I mean, I can only learn from and gain by challenging myself and trying to get to their level and be with them. And, um, I also think, yeah, I have that perspective of, I don't have 15 years of long distance running on my legs. I mean, don't get me wrong. Soccer is pretty hard on the body too, but it's a different type of activity. Yeah. And I, I think that your point of being surrounded by excellence, um, I can't, can't be understated. I, I, um, I like the the line of if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Or if you're the fastest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And the way that we get better is putting ourselves in situations where we can learn and grow. And um, as we've talked about, like leveling up. So how did you how did you choose that environment? How did how did this um, come to fruition for you? Um. So after the trials, I. I had a pretty good race and good showing there. So I came got, in 10th. <laughs> yeah. Which is very good. <laughs> um, and so that was 
And then a couple months before that, last October, I had won the Twin Cities Marathon. And I think mm-hmm. that kind of got me some on the radar a little bit too. So after the trials, um, I got contacted by Ben and um, a few other people. And then I went and kind of explored my options. But it was really hard because obviously we know like two weeks after the trials, the world pretty much shut down um, right. with COVID and everything. So I kept in communication and then finally I was able to come out and visit and I visited a couple places. And when I came to Flagstaff and met with Ben and the team and um, just after that visit, I was like, I know this is where I want to be. If this, if I'm given the opportunity to go here, I know that's what I want to do. And um, we took some time because all summer with everything going on and races canceled, uh, but we kept in communication and then, when Ben did offer the spot on the team, I knew that this is where I wanted to be. This is what's going to challenge me, what's going to push me, but where I can see my potential, see how good can I be or what's next. That's awesome. Um, I've So I've interviewed both Ben's, Kellen, um, and I hope I'm not missing anyone, but I, uh, and Scott. Um, and the, the, the way that the athletes on your team carry themselves seem to be um, different than, than most. And it's, it, you know, it goes into the makeup of the team and, you know, you're coming here to share the process and, and share the highs and share the lows. Um, And, and a conversation I had with Ben Rosario, uh, which was the first episode of this podcast was, was pretty poignant and, the way that he talked about run performance and success at the time was different than anything I'd ever heard um, for the most part. And he talked about, you know, having athletes at the New York city marathon and not talking about um, not talking about the outcome, just talking about understanding how to race to get the best out of you and controlling what you can control versus I want to run 229 or 211 or 209 or whatever the time is um, in the marathon. And I found that fascinating. And and for me, getting to a place where I could stand on a start line and not give a shit about the the outcome um, besides knowing that I did my best is what it took for me to do my best and break three in the marathon for the first time and do these things that, like you said, I never would have thought could be possible. Um, so my very long winded question to you is how, how have you approached running in the past? Is, has it been a goal oriented approach? Has it been a process oriented approach? Um, how does that sort of fit into, to how you've, how you've trained over the last few years? Yeah, I would say it is a, we set goals of, I mean, a PR is always a goal. So I would work with my coach in St. Louis um, and we would kind of pick out before the year, hey, we're going to do um, half marathon training in this time frame. Uh, maybe summer will be more 5K, shorter distance stuff. What do we want to hit there? And then you'll do a fall marathon and we'll do the build up um, to the fall marathon. And it'll be, we would go into it with, just training, like the goal would be to train 
better than we did the last the year before. So you always want to get stronger each year. So the times would be faster, the te- like the tempos would be faster. And then, yeah, when you get to that start line, you have a goal in mind. But my main thing, you have an A goal and a B goal would always be um, the B goal is to PR and an A goal would be set a time that you actually want like beyond reach or just a little further. But there are things that are out of your control to your point. Um, at a lot of these marathons, you can't control the weather. And that if it's a terrible day, I mean, you have to sometimes let go of that time goal and just go out there knowing that you can do put in the work that you did the last 12 weeks and see what you can go out there and be happy with the end result, not putting pressure on a specific time. I love that. And I think that for amateurs, it's, it's hard um, because we set these, um, we set these objectives for ourselves and then we see pros doing it's similar, but the opposite where it's like, if I execute, it's a good day. And if I get the best out of my abilities on that day, it's a good day. You look at Sarah Hall and how she performed at London. For her, it was, I, I'm going to run with gratitude and appreciation for my ability to stand on this start line. Um, and I think the trap that so many amateurs fall into is focusing on the, the, the times that we don't, you know, they're completely arbitrary. And the meaning is, is, added from is it a bq is it a pr is it a breaking five is it breaking four breaking three so it's always refreshing to hear um the the opposite take or a similar but opposite take similar but different take um, from someone like yourself who you know you're paid to compete and and do your best but it's still um it's still about more than just that Yeah. And I think something that you said, like in these times today, it's being the, being able to get on the line and do a race, um, regardless if it is just an inner squad race or a very smaller one, um, being grateful that you're on the line and racing again. And so if you race with that, you see outcome that beyond what you expected. If you don't put all this pressure on, Oh, I have to hit this time or I'm going to be so upset today. Is gratitude something that you intentionally practice? Oh, yes. I, uh, it's something I've actually like this year tried to focus on. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've seen it through like even social media. When you follow these other girls on social media, they talk about gratitude. And, um, I started doing like, like a gratitude journal. So where Mm -hmm. you, wake up and every day write down something that you're grateful for. Um, doesn't have to be anything long or a big note, but it's just, I saw that someone else was doing that. And I was like, Hey, that's a small thing you can do every day just to remind yourself like, Hey, I'm out here running still, or, Hey, we have all this going on. There are things to be grateful for instead of being down about things you're missing out on or whatever. I think that's one of the, like the most powerful things that you can do, right? You have control over your mental state or you have some control over your mental state. And when you start the day by acknowledging what you do have, I think it's, it puts you, it it sets the, it sets the tone for the day, right? Yeah. I was, um, I, like I said, I saw that there's this girl I follow and she's a runner too. And she does a gratitude journal and writes something in it every morning just to be thankful for. And like, if you start your day with that mindset, like, oh, it's a sunny day, or I woke up feeling great today, or I get to go get coffee with my friends. It's just, you look 
for something positive rather than starting your day with like, oh, I'm sore or on a negative note. And it really does change your whole outlook going forward. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. You're not positive 24 seven all day, every day. But <laughs> right. It really does help to start in your like mindset in that focus. If you don't mind me asking, who was it that you saw it from? Um, well, the first one I saw was Colleen Quigley writes a journal and mm -hmm. she's just a St. Louis girl and obviously very, very good on the track too. So I saw that she did that. And then, um, it was actually just a random blogger that I follow that is more of like a fitness. Um, mm -hmm. she does like hit workouts and stuff. So no one in the running community, but she did it too. And I was like, okay, two of these girls are starting their days with something positive. That's something that I can take and do as well. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's such a powerful practice. I started doing it after I saw a few friends doing it and I don't write it down. Um, but it's something that I'll just like think through in my head. And if I get five, if I get eight, if I get 10, um, yeah, to me, it's less about the, like do 10 every day and more about like do this every day and be, um, mindful of what you do have versus, um, starting the day saying, Oh, I can't see my friends or, um, this COVID thing is still here, but instead framing it as a positive. Um, so that's awesome. Um, do you do, do you do other sort of, um, mental preparation or is that, is that the bulk of, of that? That's pretty much the bulk of it. I, um, that is something I think that I have room to improve on is, uh, as we all know, mental is a very big part of be running, like, Running is not only the physical and the hard aspect, but you have to be mentally strong too. And um, I don't do any specific mental routines or practices. Like I try to get in the zone and focused. And when I know what race is coming up, I, I focus on that and I set goals for myself. Um, but I don't do really any specific like uh, mental training. Got it. Cool. Um, yeah, plenty of, plenty of upside there. The, the sports psychology, um, field is, uh, I find it fascinating and, and I love digging into it on this podcast and sort of understanding, um, what allows people to be successful, um, despite pain or discomfort physically or, you know, whatnot. Um, so when you're, when you're deep in a race, what are you, what are you thinking about? Um, usually thinking about how I'm feeling at that time and trying to just stay focused on, um, where I'm at, not looking ahead. If I, for example, if it's a half marathon and I'm going for a PR and it's mile four, don't, don't be looking, thinking about mile eight, thinking about more mile four and five. And that was something that, um, a guy I run with in St. Louis had mentioned to me one time, he was like, take it mile by mile. Don't look too far ahead. And obviously you want to make sure you're staying on pace to be where you're at on mile 10, but it's not thinking it's just staying in the moment and focusing on your body and how you're feeling and getting through. Cause if, if you start to feel down pretty early on, you, you want to get out of that funk. Um, but if you just dwell on it, like, oh, I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling, and just re keep repeating it to yourself. Oh, I have 10 miles left. Like you're just going to go worse and worse in my opinion, um, from my experience at least. And I know everyone's different. So during a race, I really just try to focus on where I'm at, um, taking it 
to the next mile. Then looking at that mile, take it to the next one. Oh, am I feeling good? Can I go? Can I push it a little more? Can I push it a little more? Um, and so far that's been successful for me. <laughs> so talk to me about your trials experience. Um, Atlanta was, uh, for many people, the last, the last hurrah, the last big event that, that, um, we got to experience. Um, I was, I was down there and it was, I get to travel a lot for work and go to a lot of races and whatnot. And there was nothing like this and it was so cool to experience. So from your side, what was, what was that, what was that weekend like, um, from, from start to finish? Um, well, first just now looking back, knowing no, none of us knew that that was going to be our last like big race of the year. So, so grateful that we got that in and time. And, um, that's one thing that I always am like, Oh, thank gosh that we, those of us, I got to race that day have to be so grateful because there's so many people this year that didn't get an opportunity to race because it was March and everything started closing. So, um, but that was my first trial. So back to your question of how was I feeling, um, going into it, I didn't really know what to expect. A lot of people warned me, don't let the hype get to you. Don't let the hype overwhelm you. Um, and yeah, when you get there, you get to the hotel and you have to go get your bag and get checked in and, uh, get your gear checked and, um, like four different things you have to go do. And there's people everywhere. And I'm seeing all these girls that I've looked up to and idled and running and they're like standing right next to me in the hotel. And, um, so there is definitely a lot going on and it's a lot of commotion. Um, but it's fun. It is fun to see the running community and you see, you walk outside and people are trying out and doing loops around the, um, the course there and everyone's just running, stretching. So there's just so much going on that it, it, for me, that's fun. Um, but then when you need to get away from it, just go to your room and hang out. Uh, but then the race itself was so exciting. It was obviously everyone's talked about the hilly course, the windy day. Um, so it wasn't prime, um, like the perfect flat course conditions that a lot of people want, but I think that's what made it interesting. And it was a very, uh, spectator friendly course. So there's tons of people out cheering everyone on. It was just all around, um, for me, a fun day, a fun event to be a part of it just had start on that start line. I had so much adrenaline and excitement just to be there alone. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, the, the energy that was there was just incredible. Um, from a spectator standpoint, I'm curious what it was like being, being on the road. I'm looking at a photo here that I took of the women's lead pack and it's Emma Bates, Alephine, Sarah Hall, Sally Kipiego, Kellen, uh, Lindsay Flanagan, Molly Huddle, and you're you're right there in that pack. Um, so I'm I'm curious what what that was like from a from a like a chatter standpoint. Are are these women talking? Are are you communicating? Are people talking about you know let's let's ease off, let's work together, let's go here? Um, talk to me about that dynamic of being in in a pack like that. Yeah, there, there wasn't much talking, at least from what I experienced, unless I tuned it out, because sometimes I do that as well. <laughs> but they, it seemed to be 
a couple girls that wanted to take off in the front and then everyone would just tuck and tuck and hang on. And it, the front pack changed a little bit. Um, I know for me, I was just running by with a bunch of these girls and I was like, okay, I feel good. I'm going to hang with them as long as I can. Um, and it was, you could tell it was a good dynamic of the, the girls, everyone just kind of there working together it, because you had a lot of loops. You had three loop, four loops of that before you even like took off for the end. And I know at the end when the girls started splitting, um, that's when some of the conversations, I, I remember listening to a podcast where Alphine and Molly Seidel like really worked together at the end. And so I think you had little groups like that, which is awesome. But for the big majority of the pack, um, I was with that, that group until about mile 19. And it was just a lot of hanging on together. Um, kind of like teammates just running together. I, I didn't hear a lot of communication, but it felt like we were all just there. That's so cool. Thanks again to Johnji for sponsoring the podcast. I've enjoyed seeing Johnji grow over the years and their gear has only gotten better as time has gone on. I have a few pairs of both the AFO split and AFO middle shorts and highly recommend them. Their singlets are super cool too. You can take 15% off all month with the code FTLR15. I hope you love them as much as I do. And now back to our conversation. What does it mean for you to be a runner? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a deep one. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know that I don't have as many years in running as a lot of these people, but running is a lifestyle. It It's the community um, of people that are in the running world. It's the challenge of pushing yourself to exhaustion, the point of where your body is depleted. And that those are the types of feelings that I, you know, I've never experienced until I got into running and it's just, so, I mean, yeah, at times it sucks and you have a bad workout or a bad race, but then you have those days that you just crush your workout or you have an awesome race and running can do so much for you. I mean, after a workout, when you're just done for, you may be hurting, but you're also so, I mean, for me, I'm just like, wow, that was, that's the feeling that you like live for. And running has brought that sense of challenge, get better. What can I do um, to pushing myself and pushing the limits that I don't think anything else has. And then on top of that, what I kind of started off with was the running community. I think the people and the runners, whether you run as a, a 220 marathon or a 420 marathon, I just think the community of people are so supportive of everyone and so positive all the time. And it's just something that I have loved and learned to be a part of. So not only is the sport amazing, but the community of people in it um, really just, I mean, it's now, I mean, I just signed up to be a professional runner. Like that's what I want to do with my life. So it, <laughs> it obviously has, has done a lot for me. That's awesome. What are you hoping to gain with uh, Northern Arizona Elite? Um, I think I have a lot to gain. I mean, Ben is the top coach in the country and he has so much knowledge and he, I think I can just learn so much from him and then training with the girls. I hope to learn one, how to be a better racer from every level. I want to get better from the 5k to the marathon. And I think I can learn that from them. Um, I want to know how to train, how to take rest days, how to, um, 
everything that they do. I think that I was already training very hard and already focusing on recovery and had all the basics, but I think that I can take everything up the next level by focusing on this. I, um, back home was working 50 plus hours a week while also trying to train and run. And now this allows me more time to focus on running and doing the other little things. And I think I hope to gain is just my full potential just to see where it's at. Um, I don't know if I've reached it yet and I, I want to see where I can go. That's awesome. Uh, what are you hoping to contribute to the team? I hope that I'm not just learning from them, but I'm able to help push them. I think when you're on a team that everyone is pushing each other. Um, I mean, you saw Alphine, Steph and Kellen, those three work together and top, top three, three of the top runners in the country. Like they obviously um, know what they're doing, but they also have had that experience of each one pushing another one on the other day. And I hope that I can bring that to the table and help push them and the other girls on the team in different ways. I know um, I'll have my work cut out for me, but I, I think that maybe bringing a different perspective, a different background that I can contribute something to the team that helps them grow as well. That's awesome. Um, speaking of Alephine, I had her on the podcast as well. And one of the the topics that we spoke about at length was gratitude. Um, and so she'll, she'll be your, your partner in the gratitude department for sure. But I, I learned a ton from her on, um, in that conversation and, and appreciated her, um, her perspectives on, uh, on gratitude and what it means to be a runner, uh, as well. Yeah. And I think that's something, I mean, I've only had a few conversations with her. I just moved here this week, but I've already learned that being a good runner is one thing, but being a good person. Uh, like off, yeah. off of the running environment is um, another thing too. And she has that to a T. She's not only the best runner, but she's just a good person. To an alley T. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, she's got it all. So I think I can learn that too, being positive and grateful just from t- having c- good conversations with them. Yeah. The, the community that, um, that you have now in Flagstaff is full of some absolutely incredible athletes and, and the response that, um, that they got and that I mentioned Sarah Hall before, um, to see the, the, um, what is the word I'm looking for? The camaraderie amongst competitors, it means you're doing something right. And I think we can all learn a lot from, from approaching life and, and not just running, um, you know, trying to be a better person. Um, so another, another question I have for you is a little bit, uh, lighter, I guess. Um, are you nervous for being at altitude? I guess, I don't know if that's a lighter question or not. Are you, how, how is it going from, from sea level to, uh, to 7,000 feet? Yes, definitely. Um, I would say like excited to be at altitude because you hear of all the benefits and I'm like, Oh, this is going to make me that much better. Like that's the thought running through my head first. But then I'm also yeah. like, oh, okay, I got it. This is not, <laughs> this is going to be an adjustment. Um, we always, how does it feel so far? Yeah. So I just got here late Tuesday night. Um, so I ran yesterday and today for the first couple of days and yeah, you can, you can definitely feel the difference. Um, I, I know Ben ha- and I had a conversation and he's like, 
you you're coming up to altitude like you have to know that we're going to take it easy we're going to take it slow so i think he's um very smart about this he's done this with athletes before that come to altitude after not having and he he knows what he's doing so i'm just going to listen to what he says for me to do because um i'm i have never trained in altitude before uh we make jokes back in st louis that i mean we have very very humid summers i mean they're pretty <laughs> yes. they're pretty brutal and we always say uh our humidity training is the poor man's altitude training right <laughs> so we I, I like to think that we had our own challenge but um definitely seven thousand feet is different different feeling um so i've only had two easy runs here and feel pretty good on them um but like i said i I, I'm nervous for that first workout when I'm really feeling the pain. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It's just another level of, uh, of fun. I had a, um, I met up with Ben Bruce at the track, um, the indoor track that has, um, the stairs that you walk down to get to it. And, um, after the, uh, after we were on the track, we walked back up to the top <laughs> and I was like totally spent after just like walking up those stairs and I just like lobbed a question to him that I knew like wasn't a one word answer. And so he talked for like, I don't know, 30 seconds. And I was like, man, I'm like still winded. <laughs> Hang <laughs> on. And he was like, dude, it's okay. I've been here for, you know, 10 plus years and I still, I still get that. So um, it's just funny that, um, you know, professional athletes deal with um, deal with that as well. Oh yeah. I think, um, it's going to be quite the adjustment for a while. It's not something that you, your body takes on in a, in a week and you feel normal. I think it, it takes months and months to get used to it. But I mean, that's why you're here to push yourself right. in, in that level. For sure. So fast forward 10 years, what are you really proud of? In 10 years from now? Yes. Um, I just want to know in 10 years from now that I gave it my all. And I came out here to take a chance and see what I can do and to get better. And 10 years from now, I want to look back and say, I did everything I possibly could. And I got this much better. I don't know where I'm going to be, but I hope it's um, at the top. If, if we're being honest, I hope that yeah. 10 years from now I can be there. But it's going to take a lot of work. And I want to know, look back and say that I did all that work and I did everything I could to be there. That's awesome. I love asking professional athletes this question because very rarely do they answer with like something tangible. It's always um, almost exactly like what you said. Uh, the most poignant example was um, Vanessa Fraser. Her answer was, I don't know, but I want to be better than I was back then, essentially. Um, and I think that like that's how we started the conversation where it was like, how good can I be? What else can I level up? Um, that kind of thing where if you have this, um, goal line or finish line in mind, once you get it, then what? And so I feel that these athletes who answer in this way, including you in that, of course, um, it sets you up for, for longer term success because I don't think that it's a, you know, goal line to goal line type, um, goal setting process. So, um, I guess the next sort of follow-up question is, do you feel you're intrinsically or extrinsically motivated? I would say extrinsically, I guess. Um, I don't know. That's a, that, I haven't been asked that question before. That's a good one. <laughs> um, I, 
Um, cause I get motivated by seeing all these other people do really well and mm-hmm. succeed. And when I see that, I want to do that. I want to be in those shoes. I want to be, um, getting better and on the podiums and crushing times and have my name out there that people know who I am. And so like that kind of stuff motivates me. But then also I have this internal motivation that is just personally like where I want to be better for myself and I don't really care about the other stuff. I love that. Um, so we've talked a lot about success and what you'd be proud of and, and growth and all that good stuff. Um, talk to me about a time when you experienced failure and what you took away from it. Um, I think anyone who's been a runner has experienced failure at some point. Um, I've had plenty of workouts or races where I, you know, just didn't feel feel great. Um, for like, I mean, even just this summer, I was training pretty hard with some of the guys on my team in St. Louis and, um, set myself up for hitting a really fast 5k, trying to hang on with them and got there. And I, I mean, it was a humid day, but Hey, you can use excuses for anything. So I don't like using that. And I, didn't hit the time I wanted, didn't hit the, um, goal time. And, you know, I just beat myself up for it after it for, um, like that whole day. And then it took me like the next day to realize like one, it was just a time trial because no one's racing right now. But even if it was a race, um, I put in the work. So I got, I got to the line, I did gave it all. And that just, there's ups and downs in this sports and you're going to experience failure. And I've experienced it time and time again. Um, And I'm really bad about something I can improve on is I beat myself up a lot and I dwell on it. Whereas like you just need to get over it and go on to the next one. What do you think it'll take for you to, to work on that? Um, I think one, just, I mean, if you even listen to Kipchoge for after the London marathon, he said, this is the sport you have ups and you have downs time to get on to the, to the next one. Like he said it perfectly. And I mean, obviously he's the best, of the best, like you it's seeing, hearing other people able to experience like fi- their personal failures, even if you don't think it's a failure, like they do and they get over it and move on. And then they accomplish um, something amazing. Like Sarah Hall also had a really good quote this week that said something about like, I've, this sport has failed me so many times, but her, um, consistency and just continue to push through and push through. And yeah, you have those failures, but look at what she just ran at the London marathon, like incredible. So if that's, I'm seeing other people's experiences and hearing them talk about failures and seeing where they are in the future is kind of been helping me know that, Hey, you can't keep dwelling on one bad workout, one bad race. Um, obviously you don't want to like be overjoyed when you do it, but don't (laughs) take it in, learn from it and move on to the next one and let it motivate you to work harder. Totally. I, that's something I've learned definitely in the last year or so. And, and my take on it is if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. And if you're not failing, you're, you're never going to achieve your true potential. So I think that failure in itself is one thing, but 
it's an essential piece of getting better. If you, same thing with injury. I had a um, bilateral stress reaction in both of <laughs> both my legs this this oh. January. And yeah, it was super fun. Um, Sounds like and, it. <laughs> and what caught it early enough before it became like actually really bad. But the point is, um, unless we get to these places, we don't know where the limit is, right? And if if we're trying to train to be as good as we possibly can, whatever that means, whether it's a, like I said, a four hour marathon, a three hour marathon, a two hour marathon, 159, you have to take these risks. And if you're not taking them, you can't, you'll never, you'll never reach that upside. I love that. I think that's, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And I need to keep telling myself (laughs) and uh, stuff like that is, and you asked, how am I going to work on that? And it's hearing things like what you just said and taking it and realizing that, yeah, if you don't have failure, like, are you really pushing yourself? Are you really getting better? Um, and to learn from those failures rather than dwelling on them. And I think it just comes with time and practice and, um, continuing to hear things like, or talk to people like you who have a a good outlook on it. And, even uh, one time I was had a rough workout. It was like last summer in St. Louis. And I was like, oh my God, I finished it. But my times were just not where I wanted them. And um, the guy I was running with said, those are the workouts you get the most out of when you finish, even though you're, you're feeling like absolute crap. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, okay, we have a couple of uh, of of lighter questions. Um, somebody wants to know, uh, I think this is uh, a team specific question. Are burrito bowl, do you consider burrito bowls burritos? <laughs> I've heard, I've heard this question a few times. <laughs> <laughs> There's one right answer. Apparently. <laughs> I do not consider burrito bowls, burritos. They're bowls. <laughs> um, Perfect. A burrito has to have, it has to be wrapped in the burrito shell. <laughs> Yes. Uh, Kellen versus Steph versus Lauren in a 10K. Who wins? Well, if you look at the last one, Kellen. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Um, And uh, I guess the one one last question is, um, what do you what do you know now that you wish you knew when you started running? Um, That the best thing you can do is be consistent. Um, I've learned that from not only multiple people saying that, but I've learned that myself. And the times that I got better was when I was just consistent with my running, with my core, with my eating, with my like consistency helps everything. And I wish um, I would have known that when I first started out in the sport. Cool. Awesome. I think that's a, that's a good one to, to wrap on. Um, and so if, if people want to follow along with your, uh, with your journey, where can we find you on social media? I, um, I'm new to Twitter, so I just got a Twitter <laughs> this week. Um, so follow me there at Julia dash Conan. <laughs> and then, um, I am also on Instagram. So I would say those are the two main ones that you can, you can follow along with my journey here. Awesome. Julia, thanks so much and uh, hope to see you uh, out there sometime soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was, uh, it was great to talk to you. Of course. Likewise.
That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.